Hey everybody! You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, the show that introduces the basics about stem cells and their broad applications. Please contact us if you have any questions or suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to follow the latest updates. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to tune in to our program every Saturday night on time. Today, our special guest on the podcast is Dr. Benjamin Smith, who is well known to us. Let's welcome him with warm applause. Welcome, Benjamin. Thank you, Connie, and good evening. It's great to see you again. Thank you for your kind invitation. I'm very excited to be here. Welcome again, Benjamin. In the previous two episodes, our focus was on mesenchymal stem cells. As a unique population of adult stem cells, MSCs hold great promise for various tissue engineering applications. Genetically modified MSCs can be used in various tissue regeneration processes. Many methods have been developed to isolate MSCs. It's worth noting that a more in-depth analysis of the shortcomings of the method for isolating and implanting MSCs is needed. By overcoming these hurdles, MSCs will become the ideal tool for replacing biological tissue. Today, we are shifting our focus to skeletal muscle stem cells, MUSCs. In recent years, significant progress has been made in the study of tissue-specific adult skeletal muscle stem cells and novel strategies for prospectively isolating and transplanting the stem cell population have been developed. There's a lot to discuss about musks. So, which aspect are we addressing today? I would like to share some insights into the identification of diverse musks in adult animals. Let me start with some background on skeletal muscle stem cells. Skeletal muscles consist of bundles of contractile muscle fibers and myofibers. These fibers are large, terminally differentiated, multinucleate cells formed by the fusion of mature mononucleate progeny of musks. The canonical musks in adult animals are known as satellite cells. We all know that blood, skin, and other epithelia are high turnover tissues. However, skeletal muscle, under steady-state conditions, has a very slow turnover rate. Only 1-2% of myonuclei are replaced each week. Thus, characterizing the regenerative potential of musks has been challenging. Only recently have such cells been shown to be functionally critical for tissue regeneration. If I understand correctly, the discovery of satellite cells marked the beginning of the field of muscle regeneration. What are the characteristics of satellite cells? Satellite cells have a high nucleus to cytoplasm ratio, and they are closely associated with muscle myofibers. In other words, satellite cells are mononucleate cells interspersed along the length of muscle myofibers. They reside in their own membrane-enclosed compartment, located between the sarcolemma of skeletal muscle fibers and the surrounding basal lamina membrane. How was it proven that satellite cells have the function of skeletal muscle stem cells? This was demonstrated in mice through several lines of evidence. Firstly, electron microscopy studies revealed that satellite cells were quiescent most of the time, and they were the only muscle-associated cells that underwent proliferation. After a single injection of radioactive thymidine, only a few nuclei within satellite cells incorporated the radioactive label. 
Subsequently, when a labeled radioactive thymidine extensor digitorum longus muscle was transplanted into the muscle bed of another animal, multiple myonuclei of the host animal's myofibers became radioactive thymidine labeled. The muscle bed undergoes damage during transplantation, leading to the proliferation and differentiation of the donor extensor digitorum longus, allowing the donor myonuclei to contribute to the host myofibers. Collectively, these findings indicate that satellite cells were stimulated to multiply and contribute to muscle tissue in response to tissue damage. I see. What about the other lines of evidence supporting the notion that satellite cells possess musk activity? Well, some experiments also showed that satellite cells are sensitive to gamma radiation, a feature shared with other proliferative cell populations. This sensitivity renders satellite cells unable to meet the demands imposed by muscle stress stimuli. Surgical removal of part of the murine tibialis anterior muscle increases the demand on the adjacent extensor digitorum longus muscle. Consequently, the extensor digitorum longus muscle increases in mass as a result of a hypertrophic adaptive response due to the additional load it must support. This is reflected in both the gram weight of the extensor digitorum longus and the average myofiber diameter, which increase compared to controls. However, a high dose of gamma radiation can reduce these two indicators. In any case, these results provide evidence that satellite cell activity is linked to the hypertrophic response. You are correct. As I recall, the skeletal muscle regenerative capacity of satellite cells has also been demonstrated in animal models with muscular dystrophy. Could you tell us more about this? Certainly. Duchenne muscular dystrophy is one of the most severe and common heritable muscle wasting disorders in humans. The MDX mouse mutant is one of the most frequently used mouse models of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. This mutant carries a point mutation in the dystrophin gene, resulting in a translational block and the production of a truncated protein. Dystrophin is a critical protein in the membrane-bound dystrophin glycoprotein complex, known as DGC, which reinforces the plasma membrane of myofibers against the intense shearing forces experienced during daily exercise. Muscles of MDX mice exhibit spontaneous dystrophin-expressing reversible muscle myofibers attributed to compensatory point mutations that correct the translation block. Revertant muscle fibers appear in clusters as mice age, with each constituent muscle fiber bearing the same compensatory mutation. Compensatory mutations found in different clusters are unique to each cluster, as explained by experiments that employed limiting dilutions of beta-galactosidase encoding retroviruses. A satellite cell infected with a single retrovirus could proliferate and migrate laterally, participating in the regeneration of its own myofibers and nearby myofibers. Consequently, bundles of myofibers were regenerated by the progeny of the same satellite cell. I understand now that the revertant myofiber bundles in MDX mice are the result of clonally expanded satellite cell fusion and differentiation. Well, myoblasts have also been shown to be derived from musks. What exactly are myoblasts, and how is this proven? Myoblasts are typically cultured on plates coated with collagen or gelatin, which are prepared from enzymatically digested skeletal muscle. When isolated using this method, they are commonly referred to as myoblasts. 
These cells can be grown at clonal densities and have the ability to differentiate into multinucleated myotubes when cultured in a low mitogen medium. Additionally, they can fuse with existing myofibers when injected in vivo. Myoblasts are highly proliferative descendants of satellite cells. However, their precise origin and their relationship to anatomically defined satellite cells have remained somewhat unclear. Recent findings have shown that myoblasts in culture can arise from satellite cells contained within individual myofibers. These satellite cells are carefully physically dissociated to remain intact, and scanning electron microscopy has revealed that single myofibers retain cellular components in place of satellite cells under the basal lamina. Over time in culture, mononucleated cells migrate off the myofibers and go on to proliferate, forming colonies that eventually differentiate into myotubes. Thank you for the clarification. So, what role do satellite cells play in muscle tissue regeneration, exactly? Satellite cells play a critical role in postnatal muscle growth and adult tissue regeneration. This has been demonstrated through the generation of a mouse model lacking the gene encoding the PAX7 transcription factor, which is characteristic of all satellite cells and lost upon differentiation. In mice, the knockout of PAX7 leads to an almost complete absence of satellite cells and muscles, severely impairing postnatal growth and regeneration after injury. As a result, these mice typically do not survive beyond the first few months of life. Furthermore, various physiological and biochemical analyses related to satellite cell activity, or the lack thereof, also support the essential role of satellite cells in muscle regeneration. The reliance on musks for an adaptive response in the extensor digitorum longus muscle and the effects of denervation and immobilization on muscle atrophy in cat's plantaris muscle demonstrate that satellite cells respond to exercise-induced muscle damage or stress. The evidence you've presented is quite compelling. As we wrap up the show, is there anything else our audience should be aware of? Well, for satellite cells to meet the classical definition of tissue-specific stem cells, it is essential to demonstrate that the transplantation of a single satellite cell can lead to the generation of more PAX-7 expressing stem cells and contribute to the development of mature multinucleated muscle myofibers. This has been achieved in some studies. To accomplish this, the endogenous stem cell reservoir in recipient mice was depleted by irradiating the tibialis anterior muscles. Genetically marked luciferase-expressing donor cells were used and could be successfully engrafted if the recipient mice were immunodeficient. These cells were then monitored using bioluminescence imaging. Prior to this, the muscles had to be enzymatically dissociated, enriched through fluorescence-activated cell sorting, and injected as single cells into the muscles. This method allowed the identification of mice with high numbers of labeled cells, which had to be derived from a single injected cell. Approximately 4% of mice injected with a single satellite cell exhibited a significant luciferase signal. In-death analysis revealed that in these mice, the isolated myocytes possessed a dual ability to self-renew and produce more specialized progeny, meeting the classical definition of tissue-specific stem cells. You are absolutely correct. Substantial progress has been made in understanding the identity and function of adult muscle stem cells, 
with satellite cells playing a significant role in the regeneration and maintenance of adult skeletal muscle. Satellite cells indeed function as musks. That wraps up today's discussion on satellite cell identification. We hope our listeners have enjoyed this podcast. In our next episode, Dr. Smith will delve into the topics of satellite cell heterogeneity and self-renewal. We look forward to bringing you more interesting insights in our next program. Until then, take care and see you next time. Thank you, and we hope to see you next time.